Good afternoon and welcome to Talk of the Towns. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns was has aired on WERU Community Radio since 1993, dedicated to the proposition that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I'm your host, Ron Beard, hoping you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. And just a reminder that during the pandemic, we're recording this show in advance and won't be taking any calls today. Well, for nearly 40 years, the Maine Community Foundation has operated with a simple concept, engage donors and community partners to make lives better for Maine people. And for 30 of those years, folks in Waldo County have helped raise the money and direct grants that support the work of organizations making a positive difference. And that's the focus of our conversation this morning. I'm so happy to have some guests with us who can help us with that conversation. Uh, Mary Leeming is the chair of the Waldo County Committee. Um, she lives in Unity, and we'll hear from her in just a minute. Um, Betty Schopmeyer is uh, um, our advisor with the Waldo County Committee, lives in Searsport, is an artist, and has a gallery, and she's a volunteer with many organizations. Kim Fleming is the executive director of Waterfall Arts, one of the um, focuses of our program, one of the grantees, along with Sarah Maddox, who is the program's, one of the program staff with the Restorative Justice Project of Waldo County. And joining us is Leslie Good, who's the senior program officer with Maine Community Foundation, and she staffs the Waldo County Committee. Welcome to you all. I'm so glad you could be with us this morning. So let's get started, perhaps with a, a kind of a thumbnail sketch um, uh, from each of you um, to talk a little bit more about um, who you are. Um, so could we start, Mary, with you and, and just get a little more background on yourself so listeners will kind of begin to identify your voice with who you are? Sure. Uh, thanks for having us, Ron. My name's Mary. I'm chair, uh, as you said, of the Waldo County Committee. I grew up in Waldo County. Um, I currently live in Unity. Uh, I am finishing up a grad program now, but my focus in terms of what I do in the county now um, outside of this committee is uh, I'm the director of Veggies for All, which is a gleaning program, a project of Unity Barn Raisers. Um, I'm part of the Waldo County Bounty Campaign, and I do some facilitation restorative justice. In addition to, uh, I sit on a uh, food pantry board and some other uh, things here and there. So that's Many hats. Yeah, me in a quick nutshell <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> and that's that's life in communities in Maine, you know, exactly. um, very, yeah. very clearly. Uh, Betty, a little bit about your own background and how you came into this. Yes. Hi, Ron. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I um, am originally from the Maryland side of the Washington, D.C., gigantic suburban sprawl. And uh, but had relatives in Maine. And for years, we used to come here on vacation. And I knew the first time I came that someday I was going to live in Maine. And one day I made it happen about 20 years ago. Um, so I moved to Searsport and um, I'm a speech and language pathologist by career training. So I did that for a while after I came and then started volunteering at Penobscot Marine Museum. It eventually took a job there as grants writer and education director, which I did until my retirement in 2014. Um, I um, have known about the Maine Community Foundation for 
both sides. As grants writer at the museum, of course, I applied many times to different funds, um, including the Waldo County Committee Fund, and got funding for various educational projects and other things around the museum. So I had learned about it, had great respect for it. Um, at one point, Kathy Melio, who was Leslie's predecessor at the um, Maine Community Foundation, came to work with me at, at Penobscot Marine Museum, unfortunately for us, just for a short time before she got her job at Maine Community Foundation. But she's the one that then eventually recruited me to come onto the committee, which was about, I'd say about eight years ago. I think I'm approaching the end of my tenure here. Um, so I've been so grateful for the experience because it's taught me so much about the county where I live and has really broadened my own horizons. Mm. Well, and just a, a wonderful shout out to um, Kathy Milio, who was my introduction to WERU um, yes, all those years I know ago. She was, and she was uh, a, a yeah. great, great friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about uh, uh, Kim? Talk a little bit about uh, waterfall arts and how you kind of came into that work. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, Ron. Uh, waterfall arts, we actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary, of course, during COVID 2020. Um, but uh, we actually began in Kingdom Falls, which is in Montville, and in 2007 moved to Belfast, the Anderson School there on High Street. Um, so we actually have, I think at this point, 16 studios. We call them long-term studios, where we have artists that rent those out. We also have public studios. We have a clay studio, a print studio, um, a youth and family outreach studio, or Clifford Gallery within the building. Um, we have a lot going on and something very exciting that we haven't really got out into the public yet, but we have a glass blowing studio coming mm -hmm. to Waterfall that will be opening this summer. So there's there's a lot going on. I'm relatively new. I'm kind of hitting onto my two years here as executive director, um, but I have been in the arts for many years. I actually worked with Betty at the Penobscot Marine Museum. Um, gosh, now, probably 16 years ago, <laughs> I think it's about 16 years ago, um, and been all over the state working in different realms from politicals with, you know, working with the Maine Women's Lobby to then going back and working with the Alphonse Foundation and now back here in Belfast where I live. Sarah Maddox, uh, tell us a little bit about your connection um, and, and uh, restorative justice project. Hi there. Thanks so much for the invitation to be on today. Um, yeah, the Restorative Justice Project is embarking on its 16th year in the Midcoast, which is quite something. And for those of you who have been following our evolution, it has been um, quite a growth, which I think has roots in the very best that Waldo County offers. It was a true grassroots kind of citizen-driven initiative, and we've been so, so fortunate um, for the partnership and support with the Maine Community Foundation over the years. I really I think it's fair to say we would not be here um, if it were not for the steadiness and, and creativity and flexibility of that support. Um, my own connection, I, um, like Mary, grew up in the Midcoast um, and uh, went away for school and some uh, globe, globe traveling um, and came back uh, actually by canoe in the summer of 2011 from northern Minnesota, not knowing what I would do for work. And I was paging through the free press and found the ad, um, and my heart flopped over in my chest, and I thought, "I think this is, I think this is my job." And I have been so, uh, so grateful mm. for the opportunity to work with the Restorative Justice Project since. Great, Leslie, Leslie Good um, with Maine Community Foundation. A little bit about your own background and how you came to this work. Yeah, sure. And and let me add to my thanks for 
for your time and um, really appreciate um, helping us celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Waldo Fund today. Um, so as others have mentioned, I am very fortunate to have followed Kathy Melio in the position as a program officer at the Maine Community Foundation. So in my case, I work with Waldo as well as Hancock and Washington counties. Um, and like others have said, I've had a variety of different um, relationships with the Community Foundation over the years. I was a volunteer grant reviewer, um, actually working with Kathy in that respect before I um, came on to the staff. And um, I live in Blue Hill. Um, I've been in Maine since 2005. I'm like Betty, one of the folks who came on vacation, fell in love and made it my business to, to move here full time as soon as I could. Well, what about what is it about Waldo County that um, is so exciting to you who are living and working and and kind of uh, making things happen? Um, uh, maybe we could start with with uh, Mary. Um, tell us a little bit about Waldo County. What, what, what would you say to listeners who, you know, might have driven through but don't know the community itself? Sure. Um, and, and others can chime in. Uh, on this one. So Waldo County, I'm sure many of you that are listening are listening from your house or your car in Waldo County. Um, but we are a coastal and agricultural county in uh, in central Maine. We have 26 towns, about 39,000 people. At one point, I don't know the current statistic, but we were one of the poorer counties in Maine. And so I think that's what's really unique um, or uh, sticks out to me about Waldo County is is the economic diversity. So interior Waldo County, uh, you know, the poverty rates and life experiences are much different than I think the uh, a lot of the experiences on the coastal part of Waldo County. So huge economic diversity um, and the nonprofits, the wealth and the diversity of nonprofits within Waldo County uh, kind of represent that. You know, we have we have many different types of nonprofits serving many different types of people and providing many different services. Um, I like Waldo County. This sounds cliche. I mean, I'm here, I'm involved, but I like it because it really is a like centered around community and that neighbor helping neighbor and that grassroots uh, uh, energy, right? We don't, I always say we don't have tons of money, but we, we have the passion and the drive and the community organizing ability. Um, so to me, that's really special about Waldo County, the kind of the, the diversity, the hills to see, um, and the community feel of my neighbors. Mm. Betty, you said that you kind of knew when you visited, this was the place for you. Um, say more about that. What, what made it the place for you? Well, I, I have to agree with a lot of what Mary said, that, you know, the beauty of the coast and the, and the farms and the fields and all so close and so accessible. I come from an area where there's a lot of wonderful things in the DC area, but it's not very accessible. It's too many people, it's too many cars, it's just too much of everything. So I feel like living in a place like Waldo County, um, here's what I love about it. I'm involved in a lot of different things, volunteering, you know, I'm not working anymore, but I'm just as busy as, as when I was. Um, I'm now part of a, a local color art gallery in Belfast, Maine, and pursuing an art passion that I never thought I would be able to do. Um, but I also volunteer at the museum, at the library, at the Mossman Park Association. And one of my neighbors described our, our life here. He's, you know, they're very similar to what I do, as a big Venn diagram with overlapping circles. And what I love is that I meet people 
in different contexts because people wear so many different hats and are so creative. So I might meet someone through the art gallery and then to come to find out that they're actually running a program at the library where I work, or they used to work at the museum, or they are now involved with, you know, another grassroots organization in, um, in the area. So that, that to me is really special. Thanks. Sarah, how about you? You said you arrived by canoe and you found a job that, that really resonated. What else about Waldo County really, uh, you know, attracts you? Well, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I was on a walk with a friend just before this call. And I mean, even with masks on, people are smiling at each other, you know, and to live on the bay and to look out. It's just completely uh, something that's so easy to take for granted. And I'm so grateful for mm. that. Um, if that makes sense. And uh, I hiked the hills to sea trail as part of kind of COVID survival strategy with a friend um, in this past year and the citizen efforts to come together um, and to make uh, opportunities to be in the outdoors so available and accessible. I am a, a dedicated member of the Come Boating organization. And that I think is a really wonderful illustration of Waldo County uh, citizens coming together and making opportunities broadly available um, to mm. one another. It's free, it's active, it's healthy, and there's a great um, you know, sense of community. And the last thing that I'll say um, that I really deeply appreciate and is seen within the volunteer network that the Restorative Justice Project is so, so fortunate um, to uh, convene and uh, mobilize, which is folks from all different life experiences of all different ages and backgrounds. A lot of folks who grew up here and a lot of folks who, um, you know, came uh, as part of their later in life uh, discoveries are working together um, to promote that sense of connection and belonging and just kind of the fundamental opportunities of um, making time to listen to each other and to surface uh, feelings and needs and do some active problem solving is just uh, such an inspiration of what mm. people can do when there's time and space to connect and work mm. together. Kim, what would you add? Well, my story is very similar. And you hear this, you know, with quite a few people in Waldo County. I came here 20 years ago um, to visit for the summer after college, and I never left. That was in 99. So um, there is something, there's, there's an energy here that just pulls you in. You know everybody, you uh, support everybody and their very diverse ideas of what they want to do, how they want to do it, how they want to be creative. Um, I, I, this kind of feels like a cliche, but it does feel like an honor to be a part of such a strong community that really cares about not only the people in the nonprofit realm, but also in helping people to kind of grow, step up, Nice to meet themselves, if you will. I really think that that's what Waldo County does. Um, it's a beautiful place, and it's it's wonderful to be a part of such a strong, strong group. Mm, thanks. Well, Leslie, let's um, dive in a little bit to what Maine Community Foundation is, some of its origins and and how it operates, and and that will lead us to what is the um, the, the Waldo County Fund and the and the committee that supports it. But give us a, a broad overview of Maine Community Foundation, if you would. Yeah, I'm happy to. So the foundation itself was started in 1983. It has pretty humble origins. There um, were, were one of about 800 community foundations across the country. And at the time, there wasn't a community foundation in Maine. And friends um, over on MDI, one saying to the other, you know, Maine needs a community foundation. And 
the other, um, you know, a $10 gift to Ed Calber is, is the origin of the Maine Community Foundation. And, you know, fast forward all those years, we now have $600 million in assets um, as a result of the generosity of people in Maine. Um, and our mission is to improve the quality of life for all Maine people. And, um, and I think there's sort of a tagline that I like to attach to that also is we know Maine. And um, I think that's reflected in the staff. It's reflected in the way we organize ourselves in terms of the number of volunteers like Betty and Mary who serve on committees for us who are really deeply embedded and engaged in their communities are our best ambassadors in terms of the eyes and ears, making sure that we really stay in touch with the needs and the interests of people in Maine to, you know, to, to really bring our mission to life in terms of improving the quality of life here. Um, so um, you can imagine that an organization that started perhaps on Mount Desert Island, I remember the, the offices at College of Atlantic when it first started up, and then a move to Ellsworth, and then a re recognition, oh, there's a lot of activity in Portland, we need a presence there. So there was a kind of a, a, an organizational um, shift, but the origins of the county funds um, are another way of you staying close to the community. Talk a little bit about those county funds and, and specifically um, you know, lead us an introduction to the Waldo County fund. Yeah, sure. Um, you're right. Our, our um, geography-based work, I think, is, is the flagship and the, the county committees and the county funds. So we began um, the community foundation um, with three counties uh, funds, Aroostook, Washington, and Piscataquis were the first, and that was very intentional, what some folks talk about as the rim counties, or where some of the needs were identified as the greatest. Um, we now have a county fund for each of the counties. Uh, Waldo, as we mentioned a moment ago, was created in 1990. Um, and and the, the design of those really is to be sure that we're reflecting um, what's important and the diversity across the state of Maine. As you mentioned, we have a we have an office in Portland now. We've grown to a staff of nearly 40. We do have a couple of folks who work from home on a regular basis in Aroostook and in Piscataquis County in order to be sure that, that the needs of those communities are well reflected by the staff and the volunteers who work with them. Um, and then, as Mary mentioned a moment ago, Walda was created in 1990, one of our very earliest, again, because the needs were identified as, as so great at the time, um, as I hear, Waldo was actually one of the poorest counties in all of New England, not just in, in Maine. And so the Community Foundation really dedicated itself to, you know, to trying to make a difference there. Mm. So I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns this afternoon. Um, we're talking about um, the 30 years of, of work by the Waldo County Fund to improve um, the quality of life, the lives of people in that area. And our guests include, you've just heard from Leslie Good, who's a senior program officer with Maine Community Foundation. Um, she's joined by two colleagues with the Waldo County Committee. Uh, that's uh, Mary Leeming who is chair, and uh, Betty Schopmeyer, who is a member of the committee. And in a, in a minute, we'll also hear from two grantees, um, Waterfall Arts, represented by Kim Fleming, and uh, uh, Sarah Maddox is representing the Restorative Justice Project. Uh, just a reminder that we aren't taking calls um, to this program. So um, maybe we'll just go to uh, Mary now and just ask, um, 
how does the um, Waldo County Committee work? What, how, what are the mechanics of, of you bringing people together, chairing a committee? How does it actually um, kind of fit together? And we'll, we'll ask uh, Betty for some perspective on that as well. Sure. Um, actually, I'll, I'll give you a quick little how I came to be on the committee. I sure, think it was, sure. It was about six years ago, uh, a friend, I was director of Unity Barn Raisers, and a friend and colleague at Unity Barn Raisers, Sarah Trunzo, she was on the committee and had mentioned it to me. And, you know, I soon found out this is kind of how it worked. I think she had gone to the committee, there was a vacancy. And, you know, she suggested, you know, to maybe ha- invite me to a meeting. And so I was invited to uh, a Waldo County um advisory meeting and, you know, then became nominated or uh, voted on to being a part of the committee. So I've been on there for six years. Now the chair, I remember just a little personal uh, experience about this. I remember I hadn't written a grant before and, you know, I got on the committee and I dove right in and we review and award grants to our Waldo County uh, nonprofits. And so I remember feeling so grateful for reviewing these grant applications because I had no clue how to write one. And so I I actually attribute my grant writing, any grant writing ability I have uh, to being on the Maine Community Foundation's, you know, county board and having the opportunity to be able to vet so many grant applications. Um, So that being said, Maybe Leslie knows better. I think there's maybe 10 of us on the committee. Um, It's comprised of, you know, folks like Betty and I who are doing stuff in the community. We live in the community. Uh, We're active. Sometimes we wear one hat. Sometimes we wear 10 hats. Um, You know, there's a nice variation of gender and age and types of folks. We have artists and librarians and uh, law enforcement and uh, social educators educators, social service type people. So it's really kind of this nice, small, but diverse grouping of folks who really like each other. (laughs) We meet three or four times a year. Um, We, I've never been on such a wonderful committee because we have Leslie. So we have staff from Maine Community Foundation. I mean, it's really an integrated experience. It doesn't feel like we're just this like arm of Maine Community Foundation. It feels like we're actually really part of them. And I have felt valued by every single uh, MCF staff that have ever attended our um, our meetings or invited us to seminars. Uh, and so we meet a few times a year. Um, and, you know, the biggest piece is that we have a uh, community grant program and we review the applications and collectively decide uh, the awards each year. So do you actually put out the requests for proposals or is that Leslie's work? How, how do people find out that that um, you have money um, and you're reviewing um, applications? What's the mechanics of that process? I'll let Leslie talk about that. I, I think that Maine Community Foundation in Waldo County, it's not known by everybody, of course. And there's always new people we want to say, you know, we hope to learn that they learn about the application process. But a lot of people are aware. I mean, it's become such an important fund for a lot of nonprofits. So they are aware of the deadline. But Betty and, and Leslie can speak more to that. Yeah, Betty. I would just like to say that as a member of the committee, I think that's part of my responsibility is to tell people about it, which I do all the time. And I've advised, I don't know, lots of people who I've heard about, you know, they're having an issue, they need funding for some small organization. And I've suggested go on the Maine Community Foundation website and see what you can 
what you can find out. And if you are confused or you don't know if you're an appropriate applicant or not, give them a call. They're more than ha happy to talk to you and support you through the process. So um, is it kind of open application or do you review grants at certain times of year? What's the, what are the, those mechanics? If you could share a little bit about that. Well, I think as Leslie mentioned before, the application deadline for the main, for the um, Waldo County committee is February 15th. It's a once a year application deadline. So people have to apply online using the form by February 15th, it goes into the, the applicant applications go into the main community foundation and they go through them. And I, I think Leslie can speak to the screen out ones that may or may not be appropriate. Um, and then I'll let Leslie talk about the process uh, that happens before we meet, which is um, referring some of those grant applications to the donor advised funds, which are a sort of behind the scenes part of the main community foundation. But then we meet, um, in April, I think it is mid-April. And before that, we've each been assigned a couple of grant applications. We read them all, but we're each assigned a couple of them that we pay particular attention to. We read them, we go through them, making sure they're, you know, clear and applying to the, you know, meeting all the right criteria. And then we call up the people that have put in the application and we ask them questions. We ask them, um, you know, to tell us more about their organization, whatever they would like to do. Um, obviously, we can't promise funding or, or not funding. We don't make that decision. But then when we get together in April, we each present the ones that we have specialized in, so to speak. We have a great discussion. We try to portion out our money, which is always hard because we always want to give more than we have to give. But we try to make good decisions about maybe this organization, maybe if we can't give all the money they want, here's an organization that could probably do something really great to get started with less than the full amount. And those kinds of decisions are always made. Um, so I always find that a, a fascinating and really interesting uh, process because all of us on the committee come to it with different backgrounds and different um, priorities in mind. And so it's always a great discussion. So it seems like a really um, heart-centered, um, local, um, knowledge-centered process rather than some anonymous um, granting agency. And that's, oh, definitely. What, that's, that's what's really different. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, because we're, we're all in the, in the county ourselves, sometimes we know more about the background of different organizations and we can share that too. Right. Mary, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to speak to that, which is what I think makes the Wallow County Fund really unique. Um, and, and Maine Community Foundation really unique is that it's Waldo County people. It's Betty, it's I, it's other folks talking to Waldo County people in Waldo County organizations serving Waldo County residents using Waldo <laughs> County money. So like it really is this, uh, this like uh, integrated, holistic, uh, community-based kind of um, approach to getting funds out there. And uh, for those folks who have written grants before, I've, I've written some, I'm certainly not an expert, but a lot of times you write, you fill out the application. It often can be uh, intimidating, especially if you're a small nonprofit who doesn't have grant writing capacity. It can be intimidating. It's incredibly competitive. Um, and that's it. You send it and you may ne never hear again. And what's really great about the main community foundation process is that um, you, you 
submit the application. It's pretty user-friendly as I hear. And then there's an opportunity for there to be a live person to call and say, we read your application. We want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about it. Um, and so I think that's really special and it's personalized and it gives uh, a grantee an option to kind of argue for their uh, application once again. So I think I think that's really special and, and something to definitely highlight about this fund. Leslie, for listeners who aren't in Waldo County, um, naturally, um, as you mentioned, every county in Maine has a, a county fund. So what's the process um, from your end? Um, you encourage the applications to come to you by the 15th of February. Um, what, what, what else happens? Yeah, so I appreciate that. And, and it is helpful to kind of, you know, maybe pull up and think about it. So the, our community building grants, which is the, the county funds are, are uh, part of what we call our community building grants. We have almost 30 different competitive grant programs within the community foundation at this point. I'd be happy to talk about some of the other ones. Um, but community building is our oldest. It's our flagship. It's it's where the 16 county funds kind of reside under that umbrella. And as you say, our... Um, it's the it's an annual program. The applications usually open in November. Um, they're always due February 15. We hope that by having that regular cycle, that helps people remember and um, you know know about us and apply to us. Um, we always send out press releases. Opportunities like being with you this afternoon is so helpful in terms of getting the word out, not just through Waldo but all of the other county funds. And then I think. Um, that's part of the, at least to my way of thinking, part of, you know, part of the advantage of having staff organized by geography is that we really, I consider it a very important part of my job to be available to talk with our nonprofit partners to not just when the grant application period is open, um, but throughout the year to understand what the needs are, what people are working on, how can how can the community foundation help strengthen the work that the nonprofit partners are doing? You know, our dollars are only useful if they're in the community doing good work through, through the nonprofit organization. So we do that through the community building grants. And then we do that through some of our other competitive grant programs. And we have over 600 scholarships, many of which are also geographically based. Um, and then as Mary said, we're very lucky to have um, donor advised funds and donors who who like to look at some of the applications that come in through our community building as well as our other competitive grant programs. And oftentimes we'll fund those directly. And that's so nice because then it, it stretches our grant dollars, the, the dollars that Waldo and the other um, committees have. It, it, you know, just so say just a little bit well, more and, and speak right up into the microphone. You're fading out just a little bit oh, about um, let's say someone's listening and they say, well, I've got some some charitable dollars. Maybe I'd like to partner with the Maine Community Foundation um, and set up a donor advised fund. Just a just a little bit about that, because um, that's how a lot of money comes to you is people say, I want to make a difference in the state of Maine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, one of the things that I think is, I appreciate that question, that's really nice about the community foundation is you don't have to have something as, you know, a, a gift that's as large as something that would help create a donor advised fund. The minimum for that is $25,000. That's not an option for everybody, um, but it's an option we love to talk to people about if, if um, you know, we have 
my colleagues who, who, um, in, What's the best? You know, we have folks at the Maine Community Foundation who work with donors who want to do specifically that. Beyond that, we, you know, five and ten dollar gifts to help grow the county fund are something that is really what has helped make a difference over the years. That you know, it's a way that anybody can engage and participate if they want to support what's happening in their own community. Um, you know, those donations. Um, we've had families who've or um, organizations that um, set up scholarship funds to memorialize or, or honor, um, you know, different folks. And, and those are another important way that we help support um, people in the community. Let's hear from um, some of the, 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 about some of the good work that the County Fund has promoted and supported, um, uh, starting with uh, Kim Fleming, uh, Executive Director of Waterfall Arts. Um, how have you made use of, of Maine Community Foundation um, and County Fund money? Well, uh, Maine Community Foundation has been incredibly generous to Waterfall Arts for, um, since we've we've been since the last 20 years. Uh, one of the biggest things that was kind of transformed us was in 2015, they were a major donor that made us, uh, help us start our family, youth and family outreach program, which has now really taken off. It has a full-time employee that is an incredible uh, instructor, teacher, and creative artist and goes all over the state, not just in this area. Um, so that that without that funding, without starting that program, I don't know where we would be as an organization. I really, truly can't thank the Maine Community Foundation enough for that support. Um, recently, this past, um, I, I, with the fall of 2019, we were able to partner with SIP, which is something we never thought would be possible. Um, and that was all because of the Maine Community Foundation. They gave us funding for us to be able to bring story forms, which was an exhibit that we had um, through the Camden International Film Festival at Waterfall Arts. And we were able to buy a projector. We were able to kind of step up and be, um, you know, more of a film um, appropriate organization that we hadn't been before. And because of that, that really kind of transformed how we're going forward. That was able for us to buy equipment that we're using long-term. It's a sustainable project. So thank you again for that as well. So in, in, in that last example, I presume that um, what you were doing were featuring films that really celebrated um, the arts and, uh, and art makers. To some extent, um, a lot of it was kind of around the environment, which okay. was Exciting piece, which is part of our mission as well. It's definitely part of our vision. So that was it. It was you know it was it was films from all over the world. Um, my 13 year old son, that I never thought I would ever get into a gallery, um, came in and was able to do the visual piece with it, the AR, and um, and actually said that that was awesome. And I'm quoting him. So <laughs> that was incredibly moving for me. Um, and that's just my small story. I know there was many more. So to be able to have a 13 year old boy come in and experience a film that he never ever would have been remotely interested in. Um, it only makes me think of how many other children we probably moved and inspired um, for them going forward. So it was pretty incredible. Are there other um, individuals, um, you know, you, you, that, that is a, a powerful story. Are there other individuals that um, you can think of that have really benefited from um, their involvement with Waterfall Arts? Uh, people who have, have maybe got to start with you and then um, done something um, that they never thought they could do? 
Well, one of them, you know, we had, um, when we first started the, the family and youth outreach program, there was a girl that was part of that local Belfast. And um, I just met her last year. She is now graduating college. She started there when she was 14 and um, went into the arts, graduated with an art degree. She came back and asked if she could volunteer with us. She actually ran our open call that was via Zoom due to COVID in March and um, is going on to some big and phenomenal things. She has received grants from um, all over New England at this point and is really moving forward and, and did say that, that she never thought that this was going to be her life and really thanked Waterfall for inspiring her and giving her that creative outlet. So, and again, that's thanks to the Maine Community Foundation. That program was started because of the Maine Community Foundation. Mm. So um, again, maybe using um, her as an example, what was her entry point? How did she, how did she um, begin to explore um, her, her interest in arts? Do you remember? She had, right. Great question. She, um, we have an after-school program where we actually, the buses come and drop the kids off at our building. So it's a very convenient after-school program. And she decided, to, you know, it was free. She decided to come one day and um, joined in and realized, you know, she didn't really want to start because she didn't think she was an artist. She didn't sure. think that she was capable of, uh, you know, making something beautiful for the masses and realized that that's not what art was about in the least. And it was about this, you know, healthy, creative outlet for her to be able to express herself and, you know, um, and dove right in and, and, and really was able to see at that point that art is not anything that everybody needs to enjoy. That kind of saying of it's in the eye of the beholder is really true. And, um, and now she's, you know, really moving along on her way. So I, I think mm-hmm. that was an interesting piece. Of course, the woman that runs our, our outreach with our children is very patient, very thoughtful, and um, really tries to understand each child individually and what they what they want to take away from programming. Mm. So again, it starts. Um, it sounds like all good education starts with where the individual is, helps them find out what they want, and then helps them get there. I mean, it's exactly. just a wonderful exactly. story. Wonderful yes, story. Yes. Yeah, great. Well, um, let's hear a little bit from Sarah about um, the origins of um, the Restorative Justice uh, Project. Um, you weren't there at the beginning, but you joined. You probably know some of the origin stories. I think we even had um, a, at least one program on, on either Talk of the Towns or its predecessor, Family Radio Forum, uh, featuring that. And I, I haven't been able to find that archive, but it goes back to the beginning days. But Sarah, kind of bring us up to st- t- tell the story of Restorative Justice. Sure. Yeah. So the Restorative Justice Project really was born here in Belfast in 2000, late 2004, early 2005. It was a group of individuals, um, some of whom were affiliated with the Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, the then sheriff, Scott Story, fellow by the name of Dick Snyder, who was a, a fellow who retired with his wife to the area and was inspired by the potency that he had seen in restorative practices in his work with the New York Theological Seminary and uh, teaching a master's degree course within Sing Sing Prison. And so he came uh, and engaged folks in conversation, visioning what's possible with restorative practice in a community context. And collectively, they said, you know, if we could kindle restorative practices in the realm of prevention, intervention, and reintegration, then we're cross-cutting the continuum of human experience 
with this other way of caring for each other and responding to harm. Um, that's not about punishment. It's not about exclusion. It's about bringing people together to say what happened, who was affected, and what can be done to make things right. And is all based on this understanding that we need each other to thrive. And perhaps we see that less in this day and age than we did uh, centuries ago. Um, but it is nonetheless fundamentally true that our actions affect one another um, in, in all kinds of ways. And so um, starting again with, uh, with juvenile diversion and some uh, work in schools and some in the reentry context, what is notable as I think about Waldo County these days is just the saturation of restorative practice that is happening. So for example, RSU 71 right here um, has said, we are a district that wants to head in the direction of being fully restorative. And that is slow work. Change work is incremental. It's non-linear, um, but it is happening, right? And oftentimes um, it's the it's the coincidence. It is the work of many leaders, each in their own realms, in their own classrooms, in their own schools that are pulling together and saying, we believe in this. We matter to one another as community. And it's hard. It can be time-consuming but we're worth it because it's what we want for each other. Um, and so the same thing is true in the, um, in the world of juvenile diversion. Um, law enforcement in Waldo County are referring in lieu of summons or arrest. That is a newer, newer development that we're really excited about is can we get upstream and can we um, have meaningful interventions that uh, mean that folks don't get tangled up in the legal system? Can we make sure that folks who have been negatively affected by harm or crime have the opportunity for voice? It's very common that as a result of restorative processes, individuals will say, gosh, I feel like a great weight has been lifted because we live in a culture that doesn't often talk about the hard stuff in personal direct ways. And so that shame or that sense of isolation sits with us. And it's by coming together and having places that are safe enough to say, gosh, this is how I was affected. This is what I need, um, that that can be transformative, not only to the individuals, but to the communities who are affected um, by harm and by crime. So um, the, what I hear in that that piece about safe space, you actually create the safe space and then invite people in um, to tell their stories. Could you give us some examples without revealing anybody's name or, or in individual details, but talk a little bit about that process if you could. Sure. Well, the thing about restorative practices is that the applications are myriad, right? So you could use restorative practices for planning, for celebration, for mourning, um, and for responding to harm. And so part of our theory of change is that only communities can prevent crime and harm from happening through the strength of our relationships and our known ways of coming together. And only communities can repair harm after it's happened. So if there's been a breach in those relationships, calling folks back together to say, you matter, the harm matters, and let us pay attention to it together. So um, some examples in thinking about coming here today, it's 
uh, happened a number of times um, that the local area shoplift initiative has meant that as a result of a successful restorative process, um, those most directly impacted coming together, talking through what happened, who was affected and what's needed, um, and then and giving rise to a reparative agreement um, with support and accountability to the individual that caused harm to walk towards making things right, that the individual who did the shoplifting at the closing circle is then offered employment um, with the business that they stole from. So that that's happened, I mean, multiple times. Um, one illustration locally that I'm quite moved by um, is a fellow at the reentry center who had the opportunity to repair harm with his own family for relationships that had been breached um, for many years. And that that was such an inspiring process for that family um, that his mother has gone on to facilitate opportunities for support in a circle-based process for other parents of children who have experienced incarceration. Um, so those are the, the power of restorative process, I think, is that it travels to enhance the well-being um, of not just the folks in that direct circle, but can be an opportunity to connect and relate differently and in strengthened ways once folks have an awareness that this is pretty accessible um, to any of us to say, let's come together and let's spend some time distinct from other time to slow down, pay attention to feelings and focus on what folks need in order to move towards thriving. Mm. So it sounds like um, restorative justice is so well embedded in Waldo County because of the efforts that, that you and others, so many of others have made um, that um, most people would understand how it works or how to be in touch or how to, to get in, in, in kind of get to that safe space <laughs> where you can have those conversations. But um, for those who don't know, how, how do they make entry? Is that through law enforcement? Is it through uh, teachers? What are the ways in which people find you and find out about the processes that you, you support? Thank you. So it is our intention that anyone anywhere could request a restorative process. Um, and we are trying to be uh, thoughtful in our co-creation of those opportunities. At this point in time, our office is in Belfast, located on Spring Street, and we invite folks to stop by. You got to wear a mask these days, but we're always happy to talk with you. Um, and there are a number of avenues in um, so if it's a harm repair process that you're seeking, um, that might be through a law enforcement, it might be through the courts. If someone has been harmed, it's you're free to call and say, hey, um, I'm wondering if a process could be available to me. We are still you know, somewhat capacity limited, but we're doing the best that we can. And I think maybe this is a good moment to say, if there are folks that are out there who are interested in um, doing some training and thinking about holding space for others, whether that's to engage in proactive uh, community building circle facilitation or in harm response, um, we'd love to hear from you. Mm. And Mary, did you say um, that um, you, you are a, a facilitator in some of these processes? You've gone through this training, is that right? Yeah, I started off as a mentor um, and then I took the facilitation training um, because restorative makes things very accessible to people who want to get involved and you kind of find the right niche. Uh, you know, some people like to facilitate more than mentor and whatnot. And so I've 
I think I've been involved like five years now and it's, uh, it's some of the favorite work that I do. I mean, uh, I tell people like it literally changes the world. One circle uh, makes a, a little bit of movement and sure. uh, all those circles together are literally changing the world. So yeah, it's a really important part of um, kind of what I do. What do you remember about the training? And then uh, Sarah can add to that in terms of what someone would get by getting involved. What do you remember? I, I, I don't remember super well, <laughs> except for like uh, RJP staff are amazing. They are thoughtful. <laughs> they are intentional. They are all these things. So it was accessible. You know, you reach out to them. You say, this is what I kind of want to do. You, they meet with you, kind of feel if it's a right um, match. And then whenever the trainings are, you attend them and, and they're challenging and they're fascinating and they're insightful. And you meet this really cool network of people. And like Sarah said, it's multi-generational, uh, the volunteer network, um, I think throughout Waldo County, also through RJP, different types of folks coming together and bringing their lens. So the, the kind of family and community within the RJP world has become like really important to me. And Sarah, what would you add in terms of what um, someone would would um, gain and um, experience as as uh, being trained through RJP? Yeah, thank you. I mean, we start with an exploration of um, what is restorative practice and what are those values of fairness and voice and inclusion and choice. Um, that are so easily eroded um, given the dominant culture that we live in and how um, how do we be thoughtful as human beings in terms of pulling those values back to the center um, and incorporating them not only in kind of formal spaces, but in our daily interactions with each other. So that is, of course, an ongoing challenge and a deep joy um, as we strive towards um, creating cultures where every person matters. And this is a celebratory call, but I just wanna say I am sobered by how much work there is yet to do. Um, here in Waldo County, less than 50% of youth on the main integrated youth health survey reported um, a sense of uh, being invited to co-create community um, or feeling that they were a part of community that they could reach out to for mm -hmm. support. Um, and I know that we can do better than that. Um, we mm -hmm. want 100% of our young people to know that they belong and that they're part of community. Mm -hmm. um, so in looking ahead to the training opportunities, we're really considering um, challenging stigmas and biases that we all hold, looking at the strengths that human beings inherently possess. How do we catalyze those strengths and build upon them um, so that we are... Um, forwarding a culture where everybody knows that they matter. Um, there's a lot of talk about uh, trauma and how it affects people's behavior, um, how it affects cultures more broadly. We talk a lot about resilience and where that comes from, how we can kindle it, um, the role that gratitude and support plays and also opportunity plays in building more resilient individuals and communities. Um, and we look at some of those drivers of, of crime um, and how can we as communities be thoughtful about getting upstream to address some of those drivers so they're less likely to happen. You know, we know that exposure to violence breeds more violence. 
How can we make our communities safer to start with? Um, we know that social isolation is a significant factor um, that can contribute to um, mental health, substance use, and some of those things that we all are aware of, um, both culturally and in our everyday, um, that can be so deeply challenging um, for people in their own experience and for us collectively to know how to respond to. So those are some of the things that uh, training focuses on is just educating ourselves in a diverse group of learners um, about how to be thoughtful around being strengths-based and um, calling in values of voice and choice and fairness mm. um, towards finding common solutions. And it's almost, I mean, it's, it seems to me that um, you're just reminding us um, how to be humans, <laughs> how, how to um, reach into ourselves and find those places where we express our humanity. And so much of, of our society is, has worn away that ability. And, and whether we're talking about um, restorative justice or the arts, um, you know, all of this work is kind of a reminding, a deep reminding of what it is to be human and how to be in community. And uh, so I just really applaud the, the things that, that you're doing. Um, I'll go back to uh, um, Mary and, and Betty. These have been some wonderful examples of what um, the, the county fund has been able to support. Um, would you want to um, share, again, not a lot of detail, but just some of the other kinds of organizations that you've uh, funded in your work? Uh, both of you, I think, have mentioned um, uh, food justice um, kinds of organizations. Just, um, again, we've not got a lot of time, maybe uh, uh, maybe five minutes, but just talk a little bit about some of the other ways in which the county fund has worked. Betty, you want to start? Well, gosh, there's been so many um small projects that we funded over my tenure with the committee. Um, some that come to mind are things that I guess stick out to me a little bit because I wasn't aware of them so much before they applications came before the committee, such as the Waldo County Woodshed, um, Unity what, Barn uh, Racers. Tell us, tell us about the woodshed because not everybody knows what the woodshed is. Yeah, well, I never did either. It's a, <laughs> they purchase wood and they give it to people who, who need it to keep their homes warm in the wintertime. Um, it's just a small, they're small, they're practical, they're direct, they don't depend on a lot of overhead. Um, the soap closet is another one where they, um, volunteers go out and bring um, personal hygiene pro products like soap and deodorant and different things to food pantries that people can take because food stamps or SNAP does not pay for those products. Mm -hmm. And kids were getting teased and bullied because they weren't clean and their clothes weren't clean. So to me, that's just a wonderful, uh, you know, it's, you see a need and you do something about it in a mm -hmm. small way. And I think that's just fabulous. Mm -hmm. Mary, what would you add to that? Uh, yeah, it's hard when you, when I'm thinking about all that we've <laughs> sure. supported. But uh, yeah, it's been stuff like, you know, within food justice, it's the gleaning program through Unity Barn Raisers and uh, school-based gardens. Uh, greenhouses and such. And then I'm thinking about a lot of the environmental outdoor like trails initiatives and uh, land acquisition initiatives that we've supported. Um, there's there's food pantries going back to the food justice. There's a lot around libraries and arts. Uh, and then we have stuff like restorative justice and, and social social justice uh, efforts. And so what's really cool is that it's it's this real large spectrum 
of nonprofits, like I said earlier, that's kind of uh, representative of Waldorf County, right? It's this diversity, economic diversity, and such that we have large nonprofits, small nonprofits, uh, it's trail work, it's social justice, it's food justice, it's library stuff, it's what it's everything in between, whatever the needs are, uh, whatever the compelling story is that year, and we respond to that. And uh, what I think is really unique about the fund, and I alluded to this earlier, is that uh, we act, we make it possible sometimes, or the funding from the uh, Waldo County Committee really truly allows, especially a small nonprofit who's looking for some capacity building or a project, because we fund both areas, uh, we, we are accessible, the funds to them, and we we help make their project happen. Of course, they're doing all the work and it's easy for us to say, yes, here's the funding, but that funding really, really, really does uh, make it actualize. And I think um, I think that's what's really special on the Great. smaller. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give the chance to each of you to um, just remind listeners how they might contact you through your websites or whatever. Um, perhaps we start with um, uh, Kim at Waterfall Arts. Just remind us how people would learn more about Waterfall Arts. Yes, please visit our website, waterfallarts.org. Um, we're actually building a new site right now, so we're very excited about that. You can find out everything that you, um, about our programming, how to get in contact with me or anybody else on the staff through our website. And how about, excuse me, uh, uh, Sarah, talk about um, your website. How, how would people learn more about restorative justice? Thank you. Just doing a search for restorative justice project Midcoast or restorative justice project Maine, which is our legal name, um, will bring you to our website and just come visit. Like I said, we're there weekdays and we love talking with folks. Great. And Leslie, just again, a kind of a central place to learn about the foundation and all of the county funds is through the Maine Community Foundation website. Right. MainCF.org. And we have a page that lists actually not just the community building grant information, but the other grants and scholarships and other kinds of things that we have available. Well, thank you all for this wonderful hour. We've come to the end of that time. Be sure and join us from four to five on the second Wednesday afternoon of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section, the WERU website. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks again so much to our guests who are in the studio today uh, by Zoom. Uh, Mary Leeming is the chair of the Waldo County Committee. Betty Schopmeyer is on the Waldo County Committee. Kim Fleming is the executive director of Waterfall Arts. Sarah Maddox is on the program staff of the Restorative Justice Project. And Leslie Good is senior program officer at Maine Community Foundation. Uh, Thanks to our underwriters. Uh, Thanks to Amy Brown for helping engineer our program. Stay tuned for Ralph Nader Radio from 5 to 6 and Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg from 6 to 8. This is Ron Beard, producer and host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good afternoon.